Good morning. This morning I'll be reading from the book of James, chapter 1. My dear brothers, take note of this. Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. For man's anger does not bring about the righteous life that God desires. Therefore, get rid of all moral filth and the evil that is so prevalent, and humbly accept the word planted in you, which can save you. Do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. Anyone who listens to the word but does not do what it says is like a man who looks at his face in a mirror and, after looking at himself, goes away and immediately forgets what he looks like. But the man who looks intently into the perfect law that gives freedom and continues to do this, not forgetting what he has heard, but doing it, he will be blessed in what he does. If anyone considers himself religious and yet does not keep a tight rein on his tongue, he deceives himself, and his religion is worthless. Religion that God our Father accepts is pure and faultless as this, to look after orphans and widows in their distress, and to keep oneself from being polluted by the world. Thank you, Cassie. Great, thanks. Good morning. So great to be with you today. My name's Adrian, and I'm one of the pastors here at Carnegie Free. If we haven't yet met, love to connect with you after the service. You have come to church on a great day to be at church. We, uh, we're going to have a special morning together, as we'll hear from a special speaker. I'll do a in interview time with him, I'll give a brief message that kind of wraps up where we've been in our sermon series, Tuned In, and you'll get to see today a couple different ministries, fantastic ministries in our church, though, that we're profiling though, this morning as well. So you've, you've come on the right day. Give yourself a round of applause. <laughs> All right, that was tepid. I don't blame you. Okay, um, on the edge of your handout, if you're a newcomer here today, we do expend a special welcome to you. So grateful that you chose to join us today. You can tear off this handout, handout portion right on the edge of your handout, and you can uh, fill it out and bring it out to the connection boxes or to the information table. And if you have any questions about our church, any at all, if you have any prayer requests, if anyone here has any prayer requests, the, the pastors, the church staff, the elders delight to pray over your requests each and every week here. If you have any questions about the church or you're wanting to take another step in your relationship with God, please let us know that on this tear-off portion. Put it in one of those connection boxes or at the information table, and we'll be sure to get someone in touch with you this week. Also, at the information table and the journey wall, wanted to let you know that we have this summary card for our Tuned In series. Today, we finish up that four-week series. Next week, we go back to God's story, our story. 
But today, as we finish up that series, we want to give you a number of key verses that we've used to reflect a number of times over these past weeks. And on the back side of this, you'll see a number of the key ideas that we've presented over these past weeks. And we hope that this will help extend the life of this series, as many of us are just now growing in the discipline of learning to hear God's still and quiet voice. So I encourage you to pick up one of those, again, at the journey wall or the information table. Today, all across America and other areas of the world, churches are celebrating something called Compassion Sunday. And that's when churches like ours get together and they celebrate uh, the work of Compassion International and uh, oftentimes sponsor additional kids with Compassion. And if you've been around Carney E. Freefa for the past year, you know that we have a really special partnership with Compassion International as they do a phenomenal job of releasing children from poverty all in the name of Jesus. They care for people academically, uh, financially, physically, emotionally, give hope, give medical care, but they do it all in the name of Jesus through the local church, and it's a wonderful organization that we've chosen to partner with as we seek to answer the question, how is it that we partner with the poor to see God's work done in the world? The Bible gives us some 2,000 verses that speak about our responsibility as followers of Christ to care for Widows, orphans, the poor, fatherless, immigrants, others in distress. 2,000. Woo! If I hear something 2,000 times, I better do it. So every church has to ask, how does it do it? And this is one of the ways that we choose to care for the poor here at Carney E. Free. So without further ado, um, take a quick look at this very brief Google Maps video to show you how far our guest speaker has come to visit you today. Take a look. How about that? From Calcutta, India, to Phoenix, Arizona, to Kearney, Nebraska, would you please put it together? Give a warm welcome for Sandeep Maiti. Thanks, bro. There you go. Thank you. Well, we do welcome you. Thank you for coming all the way from Calcutta to Phoenix a few years ago to the place that was your final destination that you've been looking forward to across your 28 years, Kearney, Nebraska. yes. Finally (laughs) landed. (laughs) (laughs) Sandeep has been a joy to get to know over these past several months, and he works with Compassion International. He's one of the leaders that helps bring the short-term mission teams down to their locations wherever they might go visit their sponsored children. He's been to Colombia, he's been to Ecuador and a number of different countries as he helps uh, guide uh, these families, individuals to uh, see their sponsored kids and uh, engage in some mission work there on the spot as well. And he was gracious enough to come join us for Compassion Weekend up here. So welcome. We're so Thank grateful you. that pleasure, you're here. Thank you. Pleasure. Pleasure. Yeah. Yeah. Sandeep is from Calcutta, India. And uh, Calcutta is a really unique place. Uh, Susie and I went to Calcutta many years ago, and uh, it's a beautiful city. It's also a harrowing city. And uh, I was talking with Sandeep about this earlier today. It's, it's one of the most difficult places that I've ever been to, probably the most difficult place I've ever been to on earth in the travels that God has given me the opportunity to be a part of. And I would describe Calcutta this way, you never breathe in the same smell two times. And that's not an insult, right? It's just yeah, the way it is. It's, yeah, that's the truth. So. Yeah. It's 17 million people, and it's a unique place. 
Can you tell us a little bit about your child as, um, as you grew up in Calcutta before you came to a compassion center and a compassion church, which we'll talk about a little bit later? T- tell us a little bit about your childhood in Calcutta. Yeah. Um, if I go back to my memory lane, I still remember um, every single morning we'll get up from a little chanty or you can say a little shack. And this little chanty is made up of four wooden poles with a blue tarp wrapping around it and it had several holes in it. And size of this chanty will be a size of SUV in America, just to give you some perspective. Um, every single morning I'll be thrilled to get up and I used to call that chanty as my mansion. And I would go to my friend and I would say, hey, come and visit my mansion. Um, but I, I remember, man, I, every single morning I'll go for shopping. I never went for shopping in Walmart or Target or big malls that we see in America. Uh, but yet, yes, I went for shopping in the city dumpster every single morning with my friends. Um, but most of the time we couldn't find any food from the city dumpster also. So we'll hop into another dumpster and trying to find some food. But most of the time, again, no food. So what we'll do is we'll come back with tears in our eyes and pain in our stomach and just come back to our little chanty. But before that, I'll stand in front of this building, which was a school. I still remember this school has been painted with white walls and blue windows. And I would see all these kids smiling faces popping up from the windows and they're just smiling and giggling and I'll see all these kids entering this school with proper uniform and their shoes are polished, they're happy, they have bright eyes smiling and I'm standing over there not having enough. I didn't have any clothes on me and I would just cry And I would be very desperate to see what is going inside those walls. So I would just climb up a tree and I'd be like, try to sneak in. But I couldn't because they're like big walls. And I would see all these kids are being learned A for apple, B for ball. And I was like, that is gibberish to me because I didn't know what is A for apple or B for ball. So, um, but I'll, I'll try to listen. But the gatekeeper will call me down and tell me, you just calm down right now. I'm like, okay, take it easy, man. Like, I'm coming down. But while I come down, the gatekeeper would just kick me and bash me and would tell me, you're poor. Look at you. You're dirty. Look at you. You're born in poverty. You're going to die in poverty. And abused me. And I felt very naked at that time that why am I experiencing this? Why I cannot get into a school? Why I don't get every single meal every single day? So I go back to my dad and I'll tell him, Dad, why, why we cannot go to that school? Why we don't get food? Why we are poor? And my dad would never answer me, but would always have a shameful face and tearful of eyes. And that would be my answer that, no, we don't get good food and we don't get to go to school. In fact, around this time, my family has been kicked out of that little chanty also where we were living in. Mm-hmm. Because... My parents didn't have enough money to rent that small shack. So we've been kicked out on the street. And I still remember every single night, I would cover myself up 
with trash to make myself warm throughout the night or save myself from rain. Um, one night I still remember I was covering myself up with trash and from a little hole I could see the elders from the community will come in and grab little kids and put them into child labor, especially the girls into prostitution. I have seen my fellow friends has been dying right beside me. And I thought there won't be any sunshine in my life the next day. And there was full of desperation in that particular time of my life. So it's not just in movies, it's real life. That is real life, yes. You mentioned your father. Did, did your parents have work? Were they employed in any way? They, they weren't. Um, there weren't any job for my family, but certain time in the year, maybe in a week, one or two times, my mom would be get called to serve uh, in like big houses and they would hire a servant just for a day and I would go with my mom and we come from the lowest caste. Caste system is very big in India. We come from lowest caste, we're untouchable. So nobody touch us, nobody talk to us, nobody smile at us, nobody say hello to us. Um, and that, that felt very neglected. Like we would, we would go to those houses and they would give a piece of bread and just throw, you know, like you'd sit down in the dining table right over here and somebody's right there and I just throw and like, hey, you eat that. And I, I felt like, like a dog. You know, like, it's been treated like as a dog. And that's, that's the only job my parents had at that time. It was tough. And, I mean, you're not the only one that was living this way, you and your family. There's 17 million people in Calcutta. Is that right? That is right, yes. Yeah. So if my calculations are correct, that's basically from North to South Dakota to Iowa to Nebraska to Kansas to Oklahoma. Living that way. A lot of pain in your childhood. Do you have any memories that were particularly positive? Any good memories? Cal Calcutta's got some beautiful areas as well. Anything that you would share that was a positive memory from your childhood? Um, my, I have two favorite memories. One of my favorite memories is um, we were living in this little shanty and um, it's very hot and humid in Calcutta. Uh, but when it rains during the monsoon season, is a season when we grow mangoes, and I would be thrilled to just go out and just have that shower on my face. I don't know, man. It's relaxing me a lot, and it was like, cool me off, and I would just go and jump on a tree and grab some mangoes and bring it home for my family, and we'll have a feast. Many a time, people got annoyed with me because I would picking mangoes from their garden, so that's not wise. I don't recommend for you guys to do that, but, <laughs> but, but that's what we did, and it, it was fun. Another memory, it's not particularly very uh, happy or sad, but I don't know. Um, in India, we have uh, a festival called Holi, and they celebrate and give colors on each other, you know. Growing up, I never put my head up in the community and I would never walk putting my head up. My head would be always down so that people doesn't see me. I try to hide myself because I don't have enough. I'm a poor mm -hmm. guy and I don't look good, I look dirty. So people 
wouldn't try to connect with me. But in the holy, I would just go out on the street. It doesn't matter if you're poor or rich. People will give colors on you. They just put colors on you. And that's the only day that I would put my head up and I would go on the streets and would just walk around because nobody recognized me. Huh. And they won't tell me that you're poor or you're born in poverty. So yeah, those are the two memories that I can recollect. Wow, uh, wow. thank you. In America, we've turned that into what we call a 5K color run. <laughs> now, you're a Compassion child, a formerly uh, Compassion-sponsored child through Compassion International. Can you tell us about when you first learned about Compassion International and were introduced to the local Compassion Church? Right, yes. Uh, man, so as, you know, as, as I was explaining that, we were on the street, so... Mm -hmm. I still remember I was sitting down on the street and this big group came to me and I was thinking, man, they're going to take me away and put me into child labor or somewhere. So I was holding a stone tied in my hand. I'm like, if you touch me, I'm going to throw it on your face. So I was right there ready. And this, <laughs> this, this group comes in and tells me, um, hey, Jesus loves you. And... We see you sitting down for several weeks. This is a bread for you. And without wasting time, I said, I don't care who Jesus is. Give me that bread. <laughs> so, <laughs> I just took that bread and shoveled it in in my mouth. And I finished each and every piece of that bread and crumbs. And after that, I'm like, do you have another one? <laughs> and <laughs> they were so nice. They're like, yes, here you go. So I had the next one. So then I said, who is Jesus over here? I, I like that guy because he said Jesus loves me. <laughs> and they're like, hey, if you know about Jesus, uh, let's go to the church and we'll talk about Jesus. Uh, so that's the first time I came to know about Jesus. That's the first time I heard about the word Jesus. That was the first time I encountered with Christ. Wow. And now I was entering the Compassion Project or the church. Man. It was the weirdest place I have ever been to because people were like smiling at me. They were telling me, what's your name? How are you doing today? I'm like, who does that? Nobody does that to me. Like, this is so weird to me right now. Hmm. And I was sitting down. I still remember this teacher came up to me and said, hey, are you hungry? And I was like, I'm not hungry, but I can eat any time. <laughs> <laughs> what you have and she was like hey we, we are cooking chicken tonight and if you want um, you can have a piece or how many pieces you want I'm like wow this is the first time ever in my life I'll have a chicken so I went in and I started eating huh. I went to the project you know I always say that I got food I got shelter I got clothes I got hope that didn't change my life. That just made a difference in my life. What changed my life was the word of God through which I got salvation. Not only me, my family started believing in Christ. And after that, I got to go to school and life was so much better than before. He's got quite a story, doesn't he? Wow.
So Sandy, many of us have chosen to sponsor children through Compassion International. Many of us are involved with a number of different organizations as well. But what I heard you say is that $38 a month that we spend, that we send to a child in need with Compassion International, it really makes a difference in their lives. Right. It makes a difference right. academically, um, medically, mm-hmm. certainly God gives them food, but also it, it helps them peddle in hope. Right. Many, many times, uh, kids in poverty, adults in poverty, whoever it may be, are hopeless. I love the way Mother Teresa put it. She said, the greatest poverty on earth is the poverty of hopelessness. Mm. And that's what I heard you say, that there was a hopelessness, but you found something different through um, the Compassion Center, through the church. Can you speak any more to the difference that that $38 a month and the letters that you receive from your sponsors made in your life? Yeah. Man, as, as my friend mentioned, it takes $38 to sponsor a child, but the $38 doesn't change life. Hmm. What changes life is life changing life, hmm. as Christ's life has changed our life. And the most important part about sponsorship, I believe, is the letter writing in writing them and telling them how much we love them, how much we care for them. Because 22 years ago, my sponsor, my sponsor from Kentucky wrote me a letter saying, Sandeep, you can do anything and everything through Christ because he loves you, because we get all the strength from him. And I still have those letters, and I still go back and read them. And in fact, one time they wrote me a letter saying, Sandeep, the real dreams are those for which you don't sleep at night. Work hard and God will take your hand and put you in a place where he has designed for you. And I I remember all these words because they have written those words to me. And that means so much to me. During the days of the darkness and hopelessness when I was sailing down and drowning down, when people said, you are nothing, when people said, we don't care about you, but a family from the other side of the planet wrote me that we care for you, and we love you, and we are praying for you. So I encourage you to do the same. Write a lot of letters, because those are the things that they will be holding in for the rest of their life. Wow, thank you. One last question here, Sandeep. Uh, We've been talking in this series about staying tuned into God. We believe that God can speak, that we can hear from Him, and that He'll guide us, and and, and He changes course for us as we we listen to Him. Was there ever a time in your days in Calcutta that you were praying for something and you witnessed God really providing? Yeah, I'm trying to think which one to select. There are a lot of stories. But uh, this one is the most uh, highlighted one in my life. Um, I've been praying when I was in the Compassion Center that I would get good education. And I had a belief in my mind that after grade 10, Compassion wouldn't support me because it take a lot of money to go to high school in India. So I was praying, 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 and um, I was sitting down with my pastor and I was asking him that, hey, uh, what is next for me? I want to go to school, but it is a lot of money. How, how can I do this? And he told me, Sandeep, go and seek any school you want. If you have the right grade, go to the school. Compassion will help you. Your sponsor will help you. And we will help you. And we are praying for you. 
guess in which school I went to. I prayed for 10 years. I went back to the same school where 10 years back I used to stand and I used to think how life could be beautiful inside those walls and I was kicked out. And I was entering this school and I was bawling like a baby. I was just crying and God was just telling me at that point of time that son, my delay is not denial. I repeat myself, son, my delay is not denial. My delay is to serve you the best when you need it, not when you want it. Because I believe that he knows me the best. And he has the best for each one of us. So he always answers prayers. But if it is taking a lot of time, he's not denying. He's, he will never deny us. I can preach. His delay is not denial. <laughs> yeah. Well, brother, on, on behalf of our church, I just thank you for coming here to be with us this weekend. Sandeep will be here tonight as well over in the North Auditorium. At 6.30 tonight, you'll hear the rest of his story. he got an amazing testimony. You won't want to miss it. And in addition to that, there will be an opportunity to connect with the Magange mission team that's going on a short-term mission trip just in two months to Magange, Colombia, to meet them, to pray for them. Also an opportunity to write to your sponsored kids if you happen to have a sponsored kid. But please come back tonight to the North Auditorium at 6.30, and you'll have an opportunity to connect a little bit more with Sandeep. Thank, thank you again you, thank you. for being here. Yeah. Okay, as I look at the clock, I have 16 minutes to preach a sermon. And I'm not known for my brevity, as you already know. So let's jump in, okay? What I'm going to try to do here in the next 15, 20 minutes is this, to connect what we just heard to what we've been talking about these past several weeks, being tuned in, and also a piece of our direction, well, where we're going as a church, and we'll do that a bit through James chapter 1. You know, six months ago, quick right turn here, six months ago, we uh, put a stake in the ground as a church, where we said, from this day forward, we're just not going to be the same. We said, we have a great church, the Lord has provided for this church in such amazing ways, we're internally strong, we're making a difference in our community through Storehouse and a number of other ministries, but we're going to put a stake in the ground here because we're not sure where we are making a difference internationally for the glory of God, doing something to proclaim His name where it's not known, and doing something to address the needs of poverty that we just heard about from Sandeep and some other area of the world. And so we began to pray about that about a year ago. A number of leaders got together and while we started praying about that, as we said, boy, there's so many great things happening here, but there's something missing from our menu of ministries. And God started to create this holy discontent in us over that. And we just realized, you know, we're blessed here in this place, are we not? I, I mean, based on what you just heard, are we not blessed here in this place? And we know, as we've been talking about in God's story, our story, that we are blessed so that we can hold it all on for ourselves, right? No, we're blessed to be a blessing to others. God says, he's blessed you, Carney Efree. He's blessed you, Adrian. Now, don't just sit on it, Adrian. You're blessed to be a blessing. And so we started to just pray together where God and how. And if you've been around here for the past six months, you probably already know where I'm going 
In November, we got together and we welcomed Compassion International here and we hosted the Compassion Experience. And several thousand people from our church and the broader community and all through central Nebraska walked through these two trailers by which they saw what poverty looked and felt like. Perhaps for the very first time from the eyes of a 10-year-old boy and a 10-year-old girl. And as we felt it, our hearts were moved, weren't they? And then as our hearts were moved, later on in the weekend, we profiled our new ministry that moves us from Kearney to the world, asking God, would you grant us an opportunity to make a dent for the kingdom of God in one specific area of the world? Because we know that we cannot touch every area, and we don't want to make a scratch everywhere. We want to make a dent somewhere. And so dozens and dozens of leaders were praying throughout that weekend, God, would you do something? Would you move in the hearts of your people? Again, many of you know this story already, but it bears repeating when God acts. It bears repeating the story of how he has provided. And so we had prayed that weekend that maybe, God, you would raise up 150 sponsors to sponsor 150 kids in this region, and it would lead to eventually developing a relationship with a church planter in that region, a pastor, and then maybe some multi-level mission support that we could provide there over time. We could go visit our sponsor kids and, and do some projects there over time. And, and maybe eventually, God, you would even give us an opportunity to build a church where there is not one. And that weekend, as we prayed, God provided not 150, but 300 families that supported 330 kids in one weekend. It was absolutely stunning. And I, as I've reflected on that weekend together, many times with people on the global outreach team and with my wife Susie and many others, it was one of the most glorious weekends I've ever been a part of. It was one of the most glorious God-ordained weekends in which God spoke and we listened and we acted as we said, speak, Lord, for your servant is listening. And here's what I want to tell you, though, this morning. When God speaks, we are changed. Is anyone with me this morning? When God speaks, we are changed. We realize that our identity is way bigger than our issues. We realize that the most central thing about us is that we are the beloved of God. When God speaks, well, we realize that we matter in this community and we matter to God. When God speaks, we don't stay where we are. We are changed. James 1.22 says it so beautifully, as we just read here but before uh, we heard Fa from Sandeep. Let's read this out loud together, Fa from the screen. Would you please join me? It says, do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. Oh, what a great verse this is. Don't merely miss, listen to the word and so deceive yourself. Do what it says. Do what it says. Do I got any parents in the room? Right? Okay, all the parents in the room know that it really doesn't matter how much a kid says that they heard you already. The proof is in the pudding, is it not? The proof is in the pudding. Did you act on what I said? 
Did you listen? Did you respond to what I said? Actions speak louder than words. And so it is with God our Father. The proof is in the pudding. Do we listen to his word and deceive ourselves because we do nothing with it? Or do we listen to his word and do what it says? You see, this is the pattern that God wants us in, to be tuned into his word to listen to him, to commune with him, to love him more, to experience his love more, to enjoy him because in his presence is fullness of life forevermore, to enjoy his presence, to receive from him, and then to act on it. That's his pattern. The mission of the church is to make disciples. The church exists for mission, and the mission of the church is to make disciples. You know, I've been asked a number of different times over my 15 years of ministry uh, a question that goes kind of like this. Adrian, I know that I am supposed to read my Bible, but I don't like reading. Am I like a second-class Christian because I don't like reading and I don't really enjoy getting into the Bible? Has anyone ever asked that question? I won't ask you to raise your hand, but I imagine some of us probably have. So grateful that James says, do not merely listen to the word. Do you know how the first century hearers got the word of God? Anyone? It was oral. They didn't get it by reading. They got it by listening. Someone else who was literate would read that to them. And what an embarrassment of riches that we have today just on our phones that we can take out that old version app by which we get our notes on a week-in and week-out basis for our messages here. And you can listen to the Bible in 10 different versions if you want as you go take a walk. Does that take reading? No. Or you can memorize a passage of Scripture. And you take a single verse of Scripture and you meditate on it and you memorize it. And does that take a lot of reading? Somebody say no. No, that doesn't take a lot of reading. You take a single verse and you just sit on it for five minutes a day over the course of seven days. And if you do that for five minutes each and every day, writing it down on a note card and going back to it each and every day, keep it in your pocket as you go, you will memorize that at the end of the week. You receive the word of God implanted in you, as James says, and then it changes us. We do what it says. So, no, God's not prejudice against those who don't really enjoy reading. But please hear me clearly. God is not prejudiced against those who don't read, but he is prejudiced toward those who want to receive. Let me say it again. God is not prejudiced against those who do not read. He is prejudiced toward those who do want to receive who come to him and say, speak, Lord, for I, your servant, I am listening to you. The way I put it on your outline goes like this. God is inclined toward those who listen and then act on what they hear. Who say, God, I will follow you, whatever it is that you give to me. God is prejudiced toward those who say, I will humbly accept whatever you give me. I'm not going to Determine all the answers for myself, but I'm going to come before you, and even on my knees, I'm going to say, speak, Lord, for your servant is listening. I want your word, Lord, as the deer pants for streams of living water, so my soul yearns for you. My soul pants for God, for the living God. I want you. I want you. God is very much 
inclined toward people who turn to him and say, God, speak, I desire you. Now listen to the progression from this beautiful passage that Cassie read here just a few moments ago. It looks to me here, uh, James 1.19, God prioritizes listening. Dear brothers and sisters, take note of this. Everyone should be quick to listen and slow to speak. Pastor, have two ears and one mouth, pastor. Slow to become angry because human anger does not produce the righteousness that God desires. Get rid of all moral filth and it says, receive the word of God implanted in you. Take it in. Then don't merely sit on it, act on it. Do what it says. How? How do we do that? Well, fortunately, James, like a good Nebraskan, says how. And he answers how. And the how is provided in verse 27. How do we receive it and then act on it? Religion that God our Father accepts as pure and faultless as this. To look after widows and orphans and others in distress and to keep oneself pure and unspotted, unpolluted by the world. This is the how that God gives us as we listen and then act on His Word. We receive and then we seek to be a practical, relevant church with the needs that we see all around us. Receiving His Word, allowing it to change us from the inside out to keep us pure and unspotted by the world, but then also acting on it with anyone around us who might be in distress. And the question is, how do you do that? And of course, well, we would always answer that none of us can do everything, right? We can't do everything. But sometimes I fear we Americans, because we know we can't do everything, it prevents us from, stop, it prevents us from doing something. Because we know we can't do everything, because we know there's such enormous problems in the world, sometimes it stops us from doing something. And so what I want to do here as we close out this series is just give you three simple options that perhaps if you don't yet have an area of mission, you could consider one of these. Now you may already have an area of mission and that's fine. If God's already spoken to you in that, you follow Him and you do that. But one of our core values here at Carnegie Free is mission. The church exists for mission, and the mission of the church is to make disciples. So here's three simple ways that we seek to do that here as we seek to live out that James 127 verse. The first one is you can follow what Sandeep just shared. You can go sponsor a child back at the Journey Wall through Compassion International in Magange, Colombia. We have over 345 kids in Magange that have already been sponsored. I think there's about eight or nine kids left to be sponsored out there. We start with 16 this morning. I'm telling you, if you don't run out there, you will miss out because compassion cannot keep up with our church's demand for kids to sponsor in this region. You came to the right place, Sandeep. So if you're looking for that, you want to join in this effort, it's $38 a month, but even more important than that, it's your heart. I'm giving my heart to this child And as a sponsor in Kentucky gave his heart to Sandeep, we give our hearts to a child in Columbia, wherever it might be that you're sponsoring a child, and you say, I'm praying blessing over you. I'm speaking blessing over you. I'm praying the word of God over you. I believe in you because we are Christians who peddle in hope. So there's an opportunity for us to do this today. 
That may or may not be the right one for you today, but you can go to the journey wall to see that. Two others here within our church family right now are E-Free Kids Ministries and Men in Action. I want to show you two quick videos. The first one is E-Free Kids Ministries. We always want to ask, how are we doing discipling the kids that God brings to us right here in our church? And that's the church's job, but even more, it's the parents' job. But we give many people an opportunity to participate in this wonderful mission on a Sunday-to-Sunday basis by going downstairs and discipling a child and being discipled themselves as they invest in a child's life. Take a look at this first video. Sunday school has very fond memories for me and just seeing the kids come with joy and um, just building that relationship and their love for God in a crazy world that they can continue on um, is just super exciting. The most rewarding thing I found is I've worked with the kids um, in third grade and then moved up to fourth grade with them and it's just really cool to watch them grow just within one year. And Creighton proposed to me down here too. (laughs) That's pretty good. <laughs> yeah. Uh, definitely, just the relationships we're able to build with the kids throughout the throughout the school year and into the summer. It's they come in and they don't really know you at first, and then they just gradually open up more and more to you, and you can just see throughout the year that the trust that they build with us as teachers and their classmates, and they just continue to have more fun, and we just grow in relationships with them. Yeah, the lesson plans are always prepared, and we just have to go in there and build relationships with the kids. Yeah, and I love the beginning of Sunday school, just a time to kind of talk to them, and you put in there just see how their week's going, maybe pray with them if they want. We were just talking about at small group the other day about how the lessons that they go through each week, the life apps and stuff, are it's not just for them. Like I get so much out of it, and like find myself thinking about the life apps that we're talking about with the kids and making sure that I'm applying those things to my own life. I always give them something from the Bible, straight from the Bible, and always try and make sure that it's something that they can relate to in life. And so that just really gives me peace. And I'm like, hey, it's not something I'm saying. I'm not giving them my opinion, trying to win them over. Like, nope, they have the seeds of his word and his truth. It's just really settling and peaceful to know that, yep, they've got the most important information they can ever receive. And that's always there for them to fall back on that. The Spirit will always have it there for them. That the childlike faith that Jesus always talked about, seeing it, it just, <laughs> it quiets you. And you just like start to check yourself in your own faith. And you, I feel like I learn way more teaching Sunday school than I teach. Half the time, the lessons that we go over, it's God speaking to me. And so 90% of the time, I get educated probably more than they do down here. I love it. I couldn't imagine not doing it anymore. Are you not grateful for 175 volunteers doing that for our kids? That's so cool. I love what Jared just said there. I couldn't imagine not doing it because I get more out of it myself than I even put into them as I am getting to partner in discipleship for our kids. All right, take a look at another one here. This is Men in Action, and we started Men in Action a couple years ago, and almost immediately we had like 60, 65 guys join in. Now we have 75 guys part of this great ministry that's answering the call of James 127, pure and undefiled religion in the view of God our Father is this. To look after widows 
and single moms, widowers, here in our own church family. Take a look. A year ago, uh, I was looking for people to help on the house, and I, you know, went through the phone book. I, I went to every lumber yard in town and talked to them about getting a list of people that, that will do the work I needed done. I just spent a lot of time trying to find somebody, and it was just difficult. We ran out of time last fall because it was getting cold, so it didn't get done, and the house needed it. And then these guys came along and painted, and it's been wonderful help. It's, it's uh, great that there are people that come along us by our sides and are willing to do these things. They do such a good job, and they seem to enjoy doing it. it it's just great, and I know they're using up a Saturday every month to do this. And I feel like I can ask these guys to do something, or how to do something, or who to contact, even if they're not going to do it themselves. You know, I've got somebody I can ask. It's just so helpful to have somebody that you can reach out to. So, appreciate that so much. It's, it's been a, a big uh, improvement around here in the, the way it's, what's gotten done this summer. Really thank them all, thank the church and for coming up with the group or whoever thought of it or maybe it's a model after somebody, other churches, I don't know, but it's just great. Yeah. They got the right heart for, for this and God's gift, so. I've watched that video like seven or eight times, and every time I watch it, it makes me tear up, because that, and that's the church. That's the church. I'm so proud to be a part of this church with you. I, I mean, We don't expect everyone to do any of those, but you listen to God. You say, word of God, speak. And then in the words of the great African proverb, you pray with your feet. You pray with your feet. Where are you leading me, God? I'll listen. So I'll just close here. I'm way over time as usual. But you might feel like the Lord is leading you to one of those three areas. Go out to one of those three kiosks today. It may be something else for you, and that's fine too. But we're part of a church that says we're not going to merely listen to the word and so deceive ourselves. We do what it says. So, word of God, speak. Would you pray with me? Father, I'm, I'm so grateful for these friends here in this room. So grateful, Lord, for the work you've done in us over 
this past year and way, way, way before that, way before I got here, Lord, you were doing amazing things through this church and I'm so grateful for every person in this room and the way you're, you're choosing to use us and you allow us to be a part of the greatest, greatest mission in the world, which is the mission to make disciples for Christ. You allow us to be a part of work that is bigger than ourselves and we're so very grateful, Lord, that you don't leave us in our comfortable little cocoons. It's very easy to stay in a comfortable cocoon in a, a beautiful, easy place like Kearney, Nebraska. And so we, we ask you to, to do what you need to make us uncomfortable at times. Perhaps for some of us today, it'll be committing to disciple kids here in Ephraim Kids. Perhaps for some of us, it'll be committing three hours a month to a widow or a single mom in our church along with another group of men. Perhaps for others, it'll be a small financial and time sacrifice to write to a child and to sponsor a child at $38 a month. Or perhaps it's something different altogether. Maybe out of this series tuned in, for some in this room, the, the application is simply to, to find my sacred space, my sacred time, my sacred place to meet with God on a consistent basis. Just pray with your feet right there. My guess is God's not going to speak two or three different things to you right now, perhaps just one. So in the words of the great prophet Samuel, God, we wrap up this series by extending our hands to you, opening our hearts to you, opening our minds to you, and we say, speak, Lord, for we, your servants, were listening and we will follow. Through Christ we ask. Amen.